0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation.
1: This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Welcome to the mom room podcast. My name is Renee Rena and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Welcome to Tuesday's episode. It is well this is Renee speaking. Welcome to my podcast. I don't know why I was gonna say this is Renee like duh. Anyways, this is such a great episode two episodes in a row about relationships. This one is specifically about marital communication skills. Kelly Janes is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And we get into some lovely topics here. So we chat about mostly her because she's the professional fight or flight response. So why we need to get out of a fight or flight response in order to have a productive conversation with our partner. Also, if you do find yourself in a fight or flight response, some coping skills on how to kind of calm down before you start up the conversation again. We also get into how to set the stage for a difficult conversation, how we should be sticking to the argument at hand. I feel like that's a difficult one for many couples. Also, she gives us some tips and tricks on how to have assertive communication, which, to be honest, those tools could be used in any situation, not just with your partner. I feel like communication is such a big topic when it comes to romantic relationships, especially post-kids. I think that's why the relationship episodes are so popular on the podcast. So get out a notepad, take some notes, send this episode to your partner, whatever you got to do. This is the last guest episode before Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, and this is my Christmas gift to you, a little bit of advice on how to communicate with your partner. So without further ado, please welcome Kelly Janes to the Mom Room podcast. Today is a really good topic. I always get pitched ideas or like for guests to come on the podcast. And usually it's like, eh, I'm like not interested in that. But you wrote in about having a conversation about communication in a marriage. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a good topic because so often you hear that communication is the most important thing in a marriage, but that's usually where the conversation ends. And there's never really any information given on how to have good communication skills. So the marriage... Episodes always do so well. People are like, yes, more like marriage stuff, probably because we all have little kids and our relationships have changed drastically. So today I'm speaking with Kelly Janes. I guess I should have started with that. She is a marriage and family therapist. And yeah, we are going to talk about communication. So in your email to me, you mentioned that you started following me on TikTok in quarantine, which is so funny.
0: Yeah. So I actually had my daughter, it was about a week before the shutdown. So that was my first kid and I, uh, you know, was on social media, you know, taking care of the baby and I found you and you were so relatable and your content was honestly really helpful to get through, you know, that Postpartum period, but also with the shutdown. I mean, it was crazy for everybody. And it was like, I'm on
1: maternity leave. I have a baby. I can't see anybody, right? I know. And for my maternity leave with Milo, I was in Sudbury, which is where I had grown up. So all my family was around. I like made a point to go to the like mommy and me classes. And I had friends that also had little babies. And I remember in quarantine thinking like people's maternity leaves are just completely different. Like to begin with, it's isolating and lonely and difficult on a good day on maternity leave, like in postpartum and now put, quarantine life on top of that and a pandemic and I was just like oh I felt for people so but you said you had two so when did your second come along?
0: So my son was born in July of 2021 so he was yeah so my daughter was March 2020.
1: Oh okay okay okay. We had him
0: after yeah.
1: And what was your experience in postpartum much different with him?
0: Oh, it was it was so different. I mean, we had much more support. We were able to go out and do things. I remember with my daughter, you know, that was like right during shutdown. I mean, I'd be just driving around some days because I'm a social butterfly and I need to get out of the house. And I felt so trapped, you know.
1: I remember. I don't know. I just thought of this when you said you would drive around. That was like my thing. I would go for drives. And I remember someone messaging me on Instagram and being like, you know, you shouldn't be going out for drives because in the event that, let's say you get into an accident, like you're overwhelming the healthcare system. And I was like, excuse me, like <laughs> driving around in the car is my one thing that I can do right now. Like, please, like, no, you're blocked. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's my mental health right now. Yeah. I know, and I remember it was like March. So I live in Wisconsin. And so I would look at the weather like every day, like, is it going to be warm enough to go for a walk? Is it going to be warm enough to go for a walk? You know, just praying it would hit that right
1: temperature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Moving on to communication. As I was saying, I feel like we all know communication is so important, but we're not given information on how to communicate with our spouses. So the first thing that you had mentioned was the fight or flight response. And I thought that was interesting because everybody knows what fight or flight is, but I think within the context of like danger, you know, can you just explain like fight or flight with regard to communicating with our partners or being in an argument or yeah.
0: So the response is the same, right? So like Fight-or-flight response is built inside of us to protect us, right? If you think about it back in the day when we were cavemen, right, we had this fight-or-flight response built into us to get our heart rate up, our breathing up, so we could literally fight or we could flight. We could run away from danger. So now that we're, you know, civilized, if we're having a conversation with our partner and we go into fight-or-flight response, we actually don't need that response. That response, I always tell people, it's like a light switch. It turns off your rational thinking, So if you're in fight or flight response, all that your mind is processing is how do I protect myself? But if your rational thinking isn't there, you're saying things and doing things that you regret, right? Because you're not your true self in that moment. So I really teach couples like we need to learn what fight or flight response is and learn how to get out of it before we continue the conversation.
1: Is it usually, because I imagine fight or flight, like that feeling can happen Even when you're anticipating bringing something up to your partner that you don't know how they're going to respond, which is what creates kind of like the anxiety, you know, like I want to say this, but I'm anxious because I don't know how they're going to respond. Or it can happen in the moment of having the conversation. So what are some tools or what do you recommend people do to kind of like lessen that fight or flight response?
0: Yeah, so there's like two different ways that you were describing, right? Like you can enter into a conversation already being in fight or flight response. So if that's the case, I always recommend doing coping skills, destruction techniques, grounding techniques before you go into the conversation, getting yourself out of that fight or flight response, right? So that's that first piece. And then if you're in an argument and it just builds up, if the fight or flight response turns on while you're having that difficult conversation, that's when you need to say to your partner, I need a break. I'm going to go into the other room and I will return within 20 minutes. And I always have like those three set rules. You need to say, I need a break. I'm going to go wherever you're going to go. And I will return because too often it's like, oh, you know, screw you. I'm going in the other room and you just storm off. That is damaging, right? So we need to set it up where they both have this healthy way to communicate, to take a break from the argument, take care of your mental health, get those soothing exercises done. And then return to the argument, and you're both in a better head, headspace.
1: Like, how can someone recognize if they are in that fight or flight?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it first really comes up in a physical way, right? So you notice your heart rate increasing. You notice sweatiness. A lot of people notice, like, tension in their fists or their jaw or their shoulders, right? So I always tell people, like, I want you to be thinking about how is your body feeling, right? And then, you know, some people have racing thoughts or they're having a hard time even listening to their partner because they're already, you know, thinking about how they're going to respond, right? So if you're not listening, if you are having these physical symptoms, you need to take a break. Let's take a break. Let's pause this and then let's return so we don't damage the relationship with this conversation.
1: And I imagine it's hard and would take some practice to do that because I'm just like thinking about, being in not like a heated argument, but like a discussion where maybe you're like trying to prove your point or like whatever. And then when you feel those feelings, well, that's, I guess that's why it's called fight or flight. <laughs> Cause like, I think some people want to fight. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's almost like practice in acknowledging what's going on and understanding that like, you know what, if I don't remove myself and like calm down and get out of this like fight or flight, it's not going to end well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's probably going to get worse and there's not going to be a resolution to the argument.
1: And again, like you were saying, most people, if it's like, oh, I want to leave this situation right away, they would do it in a way that is damaging as opposed to, you know, like storming off and slamming the door. And it's hard because like I even think about situations where getting really like worked up with Milo, like bedtime battles or whatever. It's the same kind of situation where like it's hard to be like, okay, understanding what's happening inside of me and that, you know, I need to remove myself from the situation, calm down a little bit. But it can be hard. So do you recommend that couples, you know, like, let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I want to try doing this next time we're in like a heated conversation or whatever. Do you recommend that they approach their partner about it beforehand and be like, listen, like, this is what I'm going to try to do, like moving forward and have them like know about this as well so that in the moment they can both be on the same page.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is important that both partners know about this skill, right? They could listen to this podcast, have their partner listen to it, but you both have to know. So you both are on the same page of we're going to respect each other when we're requesting a break, right? So if you request a break, your partner's response has to be the word, okay. You don't say anything else. You say, okay, you don't get your last few words in or your last few digs at them. That's damaging, right? If your partner is saying, SOS, I need a break. I'm going to go into the living room and, you know, try and do some distraction techniques. I will return. The thing is your partner also should be taking a break during that time. Otherwise, they, so you, so if one partner requests a break, right? And they go and they take a break and they're do, doing coping skills. The goal is to not think about the argument. Otherwise you're not going to get out of fight or flight, right? So the other partner should be taking a break as well. So they're not continuing the argument in their own head, waiting for this person to return, that's just going to set it up for damage where they're just attacked probably. So yeah, I definitely would recommend that, you know, if you're wanting to incorporate these skills, sit down with your partner and say, hey, like, this is what I learned about fight or flight response. What if we set it up where if either of us are needing a break, if we're feeling like we're in that mode of fight or flight, we allow ourselves to request a break with the agreement that we're going to return, right? If you request a break, you're the one that returns. You're the one that has to come back to the, to the
1: conversation. Do you know the, I guess he's a couples therapist, Terry Real. No. Mm -mm. Okay. So he, he's like a pretty famous like couples therapist. And anyways, I ordered one of his books and the title of the book is, I think the title of the book is just called Us. How he talks about, like, I haven't finished the book, but just in the beginning about We're so focused, especially in these situations where we're having like conflict or trying to work something out. We're very much in like a me versus you situation. And he is all about like, you have to have the mentality that you're in this relationship. Like it's us, like we're one unit. And so what can I do in this conversation, like day to day, whatever, for us as opposed to like, it's me versus you. And I feel like just that mindset shift is huge because when you're in like a heated argument, you're like, I, I want to win this. Like, I'm going to prove my point. And it's like, change the thought process to like, let's work on this for us, like together, you know, like we're partners. It's not like me versus you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see something similar. I think I found it probably, you know, on social media probably, but it's like, it's us against the problem, not us against each other, right? Like it's us tackling the problem.
1: Yes. 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 Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what are some coping skills? So let's say someone's in fight or flight before a difficult conversation or in the middle of a conversation and they leave to get a break What are some coping skills that you usually teach couples?
0: Yeah. So, you know, everybody is different in what coping skills work best for them, right? Like for myself, deep breathing works wonders. But if somebody told me to count to 10, like that's not going to do anything. So I want people to try these coping skills out. If something doesn't work, try something else, right? We're all different. So one of the best ways to get yourself out of fight or flight response is exercise, right? Because you get that physical exertion out. So I tell people, you know, go do some sit-ups, some push-ups, listen to some music that can be distracting for the mind as well. So working out is always a really good option. And then anything that's distraction-based, because the goal is to not think about the argument while you're trying to get out of fight or flight response, because you don't want to be taking a break, but you're still having that argument in your head.
1: Mm-hmm. That would be the difficult part for me because I would be like, I need a break. And then I'd go sit in my room and be like planning my like rebuttal, you know? Say,
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, like, distraction for some people, it's, you know, playing solitaire on their phone, it's watching like cat videos, listening to a comedian. Sometimes people will read. I always tell people if you're reading, you know, like we can sometimes read, but while we're reading, we're thinking of something else. So, like, reading out loud to really force yourself to be thinking about what you're reading. So those are all good distraction techniques. And then, you know, coping skills, really getting your body into it. So like progressive muscle relaxation, mindfulness, sensory exercises are really good. Those are those grounding techniques to really tell yourself, like, I'm here. I'm present in the moment right now. I'm not back in that argument when this happened. Like, I'm here right now.
1: This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. So when I was in my PhD, a lot of what I would do for our research was attachment interviews with people who were suffering with an eating disorder. So a lot of that population has like past trauma. And I remember being in a situation where I was, you know, just like a regular day doing the interview with someone and they started to have a panic attack and it just so happened to be after hours at the hospital, so like the regular staff in like the area where I was wasn't around and so me like not knowing what to do I was like oh my gosh so I went and found someone luckily there was a psychologist nearby and I remember her coming in to the room and having the woman explain what was in the room so it's kind of like what you're saying like she was like okay like name out some things that are in the room like the curtains in here are beige like oh there's a green tree in the corner and it's kind of like taking yourself out and I remember thinking like I would have never thought to do that because it's just like a tool that I had never learned before. So it's kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so helpful. You know, like when you're trying to identify things, I have this in my other office, I have this like turquoise blue clock and I sometimes will have people like describe what it looks like. They're like, it's a blue clock. I'm like, actually I think it's like a turquoise blue and it's got Roman numerals. That's interesting. Like really going into the detail because you're not able to think about something else if you're fully engaged in describing an item.
1: Yeah. And with the exercise thing, my mom just ordered, do you know what a rebounder is? No. It's basically a mini trampoline. So like it's not high off the ground. It's just like a little trampoline thing. And she listened to whatever podcast about all like the benefits of using a rebounder are just for like 10 minutes a day. But I feel like if you're, okay, I'm going to go take a break. You're not necessarily going to like jump on the Peloton or, you know, start some big workout, but I think even just jumping on that for 10 minutes. So you're getting like added health benefits, but also you're moving your body and it will probably help to clear your mind and calm your nervous system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like a cleanse, right? Exercise is so great for mental health. I always tell people it's like free feel good chemicals, right? It's those endorphins flowing through your mind, right? So that's a
1: great one. Okay. So this is a great topic, how to set the stage for a successful, difficult conversation. So let's give some examples of like difficult conversations. For me, I kind of feel like I would like to have another baby, but I know that my husband, he's fine with just one and he like you know, it will take convincing for him to <laughs> to get there. So like for me, that was difficult to bring up because I, for the longest time, have been like, no, I'm fine with one. Like, oh yeah, we're one and done. Like I was basically the poster child for I only want one child. Now that Milo's four, like I'm starting to change my mind. So that is difficult for me to bring up with my husband because he's going to be like, wait a minute, Like for the past four years, we've both been on the same page. So let's use that as an example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when I say set the stage, I mean that I want you guys to like be coming to the table and making sure you, you are setting it up for success, right? So that means this conversation is in person, both enter into it out of fight or flight response. You're going to have some anxiety bringing up a big topic like this, right? That's normal. It's natural. Making sure to request a break if you need one sooner than later, right? Because if you're going into like, you guys are getting really loud and heated, you probably needed a break a little bit sooner. So taking a break, even if you're not sure, if you think you might need a break, go take one. And then when we say like setting the stage, it's best to be in person, not over the phone, not over FaceTime, not over text. Texting is the worst. Both of you guys sitting down in close proximity, right? We're not standing up and multitasking while we're having this conversation, you want it to be distraction-free. And then there's just some rules of, like, how you're going to be talking to each other, right? So there's no mocking. There's no verbal aggression. There's no swearing. Like, completely, that is not an option, right? If any of that starts to come up, which it does for a lot of couples, right? Things get out of hand. Things get tense. That's an automatic break, right? You're going to hear me say that word break a lot today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then really making sure that, like, your tone and volume are in check, Right? We want to make sure we are taking accountability of ourselves and we are not getting too loud. We're not using any nasty tones. I always tell people like with volume, you always notice like if one person gets louder, the other person does. And the other person does louder and louder and louder. And then you're screaming at each other. One good technique is if you notice that your partner is getting louder, you just get a little quieter. they are going to pick up on that. Right. If you don't play that loud game. They're not going to continue to get louder and louder and louder with you notching it down just a little bit. So that's kind of that setting the stage, like making sure you both are sitting down, you both are being respectful. There's there's no room for any type of like, you know, verbal aggression, things like that.
1: Okay, so let's say the conversation that somebody wants to have with their partner is about difficulties with their mother-in-law. Let's say that for example, like what I do, I don't have problems with my mother-in-law, but like, let's say there's something that I want to talk to my husband about. I will just like, after Milo goes to bed, we're watching TV. I'll just kind of like bring it up. Do you recommend that people make a plan and they're like, you know what? Like tonight after Milo goes to bed, like I would really love to talk about X, Y, Z. So you kind of let them, or do you just like how I've been doing it? Just like say it in the moment, which. I feel like then just like catches my husband off guard, you know? Do you tell them ahead of time and like plan to have the conversation?
0: So if your mood is already changed because of the topic, let's say that in the morning, you know, you and your mother-in-law got into an argument and you're just really feeling out of it and you're upset with your partner because of it and your relationship is impacted that day, you want to bring it up as soon as you can, right? Now, if it's something that just kind of pops into your head, but it's not something that has interrupted anything with your relationship, then it's okay to bring it up out of the blue. As long as like, if you're sitting watching TV, like pausing the TV and say, Hey, like, do you have a minute? I want to talk about this topic is, is now a good time for you. Right. Like kind of using that open-ended question, because what if he had a really bad day at work and he's like overstimulated already. And he's like, you know, today's not the day then you reschedule. Right. You only really need to alert your partner if it's already negatively impacting you because they're probably going to pick up on that and be like, why is she so cranky or why is she, you know, then that gives them a bit of an idea. But once you bring it up, let's say that you brought it up in the morning because you're already feeling irritable about it. I want you to try and compartmentalize it, right? You brought it up. You and your partner already have time scheduled to talk about it. Put it to the side for the rest of the day. Right? That does not define your entire relationship. It's a piece of it that you guys are struggling with, but you don't want to live in it in that one struggle of your relationship.
1: How would you recommend, I feel like a lot of listeners and people that follow me on social media struggle in their relationships with like the default parent thing, Like they know they feel that way and that, you know, they're struggling and they want changes to be made, but they can't necessarily verbalize what it is that is really bothering them. They just know that they want things to change. I always find it interesting when I talk about a specific situation and how that made me irritated and how we changed things moving forward and people are like, oh my God, like now I understand why I'm so angry Saturday mornings when my husband goes to make a big breakfast, but like, they're not like putting together, like how they feel with why they feel that way. There's probably lots of people listening who find themselves in that situation. They're like, I am definitely the default parent. I want things to change, but I'm not necessarily sure how things can change. I want my partner to be more involved, like with childcare and household tasks. How do they, bring that topic up? Like, what would you recommend people do?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, it's funny you talk about default parent. I never knew that term until I listened to your podcast where you talked about default parent. And you were like, if you're the one that has to say and announce that you're going to the bathroom. And I was like,
1: that's me. That is 100% me. Oh yeah. Like my husband would just like up and leave the room and go start like laundry or something like that. And I'm like, oh my God, like I can't do that. Now, part of it Is my own fault. And I need to recognize that as well because something that
0: we create as well.
1: Yes, a thousand percent. That's why I always, so many people are like, oh my God, her poor husband. But no, like I understand that a lot of this is my doing as well. But if you don't have a conversation about it, it's not going to change. So what do you recommend people do to bring that up with their partner? My advice is always like, you need to understand why you feel a certain way. And like, I would always do that, especially in quarantine because I was so much like the default stay at home parent. I had to be like, okay, why am I angry when he comes home from work when I've been waiting for him to get home all day and excited for him to get home? Oh, it's because he's going to do the dishes or he starts cutting the grass or something. Like I had to really think about what was going on for me before bringing it to him otherwise I'm just going to be like "Ah," like I'm in a bad mood like I'm pissed off and he's going to be like what so do you recommend people sit and think so that you're able to go to the conversation with concrete like this upsets me when this happens and what you would like to see changed yeah
0: yeah so I definitely would recommend like
1: not if you're if you're already
0: really irritable and like your, your husband comes home and he's doing the dishes, which in his mind, rightfully so, like he's helping out. He's like, hey, great job. If you're sitting there and you're just pissed off, do not approach him in that moment. Right. That's when you want to like schedule something or it's OK to just bring it up out of the blue when kids are kids are in bed. You guys are distraction free. Right. So making sure that you bring it up, but not in the heat of that moment. Because you're not in the right state of mind, right? And he's going to be totally blindsided, like, I'm doing the dishes right now. Right? <laughs> like, I'm helping out. But yeah, I mean, you really need to, like you mentioned, like, you really need to internalize, like, why am I upset about this, right? Because it's not as clear cut with this topic of default parent. But then sitting down and, like, really expressing how you feel and really doing, like, that listener speaker activity, right? Like, listener speaker activity is where, like, You're sitting down and you're expressing how you feel and your partner, before they respond to it, they're asking those like exploratory questions to make sure you're fully understood, right? So one person speaks, the other person reiterates what they hear and they ask more questions for clarification. Now, if you don't do that speaker listener activity and he responds before you fully feel understood,
1: he's responding incorrectly because he doesn't have all the information. Like, you want to avoid your partner getting defensive and feeling like they're being attacked, you know? Yeah,
0: it's all about like the delivery of the message, right? So, like, you want to make sure when you're bringing something up, it's more of like an open ended, gentle approach, right? Like, hey, honey, you know, I want to talk about this topic. You know, do you care if we, you know, talk about this and just, Hear me out and I want to make sure I feel understood before we really, you know, go back and forth about what our ideas are, right? So both of you fully being understood before you go into the problem solving stage.
1: Can you explain again, because I think this is such an incredible tool and I want to use it and understand it better, the speaker listener thing? Yeah. So
0: the speaker listener activity is like, it's not going to be used all the time, but when you're talking about a difficult topic and you're really not feeling understood, you, you know, you can say, like, hey, let's do the speaker l- listener activity, right? So one person is a speaker, and their goal is to kind of plead their case and how they're feeling. And the other person doesn't respond with their own personal opinion until that first person is truly understood, right? So mm-hmm. the person expressing how they're feeling, they are, you know, saying everything, and then your partner is asking what I call exploratory questions, right? Exploratory questions is you're trying to explore and figure out what your partner is saying. And you're really trying to make sure they feel understood. You can both feel understood without agreeing about a topic, right? It's okay to not have the same opinion, but it's not okay to have differing opinions if you're both not fully understood.
1: Okay. I love that. I've never heard of that before. Next one, why and how to stick to the argument or like the topic at hand. So I imagine what happens in most situations is like you start talking about one thing and then it's like you end up talking about and like arguing about something completely different. So how do we stick to one topic? Yeah, this is like the
0: hardest one that couples struggle with. And whenever I go over these skills, they're like, what, I can't talk about that. What happened last week? So You want to stick to the argument at hand because you are most likely not going to get that topic completed and solved unless you stick to it, right? This is not saying we can't talk about past stuff. It is good to talk about the past, especially if it's actively, you know, irritating you or upsetting you. But if you guys are talking about who forgot to take out the garbage and you're arguing over it, we're going to finish that topic and get a solution to it. We're not going to talk about who did it last week or that, you know, you came home from work late last week. We are only talking about that topic at hand. This makes it where our arguments are not cluttered and complex. And we're you know talking about five different arguments at once. And then you don't resolve any of them, right? It also can really help to decrease the chance of us like throwing daggers at one another of like, well, you did this and you did this. Well, we're only talking about one specific topic at one event, you're not going to be able to throw those at each other. That's that damage that happens in those difficult conversations,
1: right? Okay. What's like my poor, now I'm saying my poor husband. It's, but like, <laughs> this is kind of like a joke. It's not serious. But when you were talking about like bringing up past things. Okay. So I found out, like, this was like when we were dating, like we, we're like in a serious relationship but he had mentioned there's this really fancy restaurant in Ottawa it's called 18 in case people want to know what i'm talking about and <laughs> i had never been there and i think the conversation came up with my husband we were talking about like restaurants in Ottawa and he was like oh like yeah i had been to 18 before and i'm like when did you go and he was saying how he took this girl when he was single he took this girl on a date to 18 and i was like what Like you never took me to 18. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is literally like an ongoing thing. Like we'll be talking about something and I'll be like, oh yeah. Well, like I'm the worst. Like I will bring up things from when we were dating. Like you never took me to 18. Like, do you remember that? And he's like, oh Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) Uh, But do you feel like that's more like playful teasing? Oh, it it is so
1: playful.
0: Like that's totally fine. Right. It's okay to bring up things from the past just not in the heat of a current argument.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's so funny. funny. Like he he won't, no, he always brings up that I was late for our first date because I couldn't find parking. And he's like, he will always bring that up for everything. Oh, good times. Anyways, so what are assertive communication skills? So what does that mean? And how can people implement them?
0: Yeah. So assertive communication skills. So assertive communication skills are expressing your wants and your needs while still respecting your partner's wants and needs. And then we only compromise our wants. We never compromise our needs. So this is like really important in communication because you don't want to like sell yourself short. If you're really passionate about something and you don't want to budge, that's a need, right? It's our wants that we compromise. And you know, this. relationships, there's so much compromise here. Right. So that's really like when you're speaking, you want to be using those assertive communication skills, like expressing those needs and wants, respecting what your partners are, and then going into that, you know, compromise part of it where, okay, well, where can we make sure that we're able to get through this topic? Right. Have you ever heard of the term perpetual problems? It's a it's a Gottman term. So I'm I'm a Gottman method. Do you know who the Gottmans are? I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of the Gottmans. I do Gottman work. And it's one of their terms. And it's basically like a problem that you guys are never going to be able to see eye to eye on, right? Like politics would be a perfect example. Like if you're in a relationship and one person, you know, I'm thinking of the states as a Democrat versus Republican, like that's a perpetual problem that you guys can have discussions on, but you're not going to be able to probably compromise to change your partner's views. We don't want to change our partner's. Or change who they are as a person, right? Hey, 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 hey. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba.
1: If there is something that you know they don't agree on, like what do you recommend? Is it just like okay, we need to compromise and maybe like let's say it's I don't know, like you don't like your husband your partner, your husband going to play golf on the weekends during the summer. Let's say that. So now they don't agree. It's like, no, I love golf. This is my like hobby, whatever. The other partner might be like, well, I'm home like with the kids all weekend. I've been working all week too and blah, blah, blah. So it's not going to change. They're not going to see eye to eye. He's like, I don't want to give up golf. And she's like, well, like I don't want you to go play. Like It's not fair, whatever. How do they move through a conversation about that? And at the end of the day, let's say it's a perpetual problem. Where do you go from there? Is it compromise? Is it like, okay, you play golf. I don't know how to say this. Like half, <laughs> you play golf or less. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is that what you do? It's, it's from then it's like a compromise and like, okay, I'm going to get my way some of the time. And you're going to get your way some of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that example that you gave, like if it just stayed where he said, no, I'm going to play golf every week and you're going to have to deal with it, his needs are being met and hers aren't right. So the conversation would have to shift to, okay, if this is truly a need of yours, how do we make sure my needs are met as well? And these are my needs, right? Making sure he understands what her needs are and understands her concerns with the golf, right? I don't think it's ever actually the golf itself, right? It's, That she's home alone with the kids every Saturday for four hours or something, right? And so that would be where, like, the compromise would have to be put into place. Okay, so your needs are being met. How do we meet my needs as well? How can we try this out, right? And it, you know, I always tell people, like, when you're having a difficult conversation and you're trying to do that compromise piece, let's take the pressure off of it. We're not writing anything in stone. We're just having a conversation, So when you and your partner are giving ideas to get us out of that, like, pressure-filled defense, right, let's just have a conversation, and then we'll work our way to the actual compromise. Because if he right away says, well, what if I go, you know, three out of the four weeks a month? And she's like, that's way too much. Instead of getting defensive, if we're not writing anything in stone, that was just a possible suggestion, right? You still have room to say, actually, I think it would be better if it's every other week or, you know... What if you did it on Sundays instead of Saturdays or things like that? So like really trying to take the pressure and the defense out of those conversations and let them be a conversation where you feel comfortable and safe shooting some possible ideas.
1: I like how you mentioned like my needs aren't being met because so often, I will say on TikTok, if I'm talking about a situation where, you know, I was upset, that my husband's cutting the grass on Saturdays after I had been home alone with Milo all week. So many men come in the comments and they're like, oh my God, your husband worked all week and now he's cutting the grass. Like men, they just can't win. They can't win. Men can't win. And I'm like, if you look at it from the perspective of are everyone's needs being met? Like on Saturday morning, I don't need the grass to be cut. Like that is not my priority in that moment so it's less about the tasks that we're talking about and it's more so about what are your needs you know regardless you're going to play basketball with your friends or you're cutting the grass I'm still in the same situation I don't care what you're doing so I like that focusing on like needs okay taking our blinders off and increasing appreciation, even when we are upset. I feel like this is a Gottman thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Increasing appreciation. So they touch a lot on appreciation and admiration and the importance of like this being something that happens every single day, multiple times a day. Right. So when I say like, take your blinders off, I always tell people like when we're in a difficult spot in our relationship, or even just like we're having a difficult day, we're gonna pick up on what our partner is doing wrong a lot more than what they're doing right. Right. We're gonna be like, oh, look at they didn't take out the trash or they didn't do this, or you know, they're just sitting on the couch. But if you guys are having a good day, you wouldn't be thinking about all those negative things, right? So, like, even when you're upset with your partner, you want to take those blinders off and see the good and the bad, right? It's okay to tell our partner, like, hey, I'm really needing help with making sure we're both taking the trash out or making sure that we're both doing this with the kid, right? But it's not okay to only talk about the negative, right? So appreciation is so important because it really like boosts up our partner while also like kind of that like reverse psychology. The more that you express appreciation and they feel appreciated, the more likely that they'll do it again, right? The more likely what they're doing that you enjoy you're going to be doing that again. Now, if you don't appreciate those things, if you don't verbalize your appreciation for it, what's the incentive for them to do it? And do they even know that you're appreciating it? And that's something that you need.
1: Yeah. It's what is it confirmation bias? It's like, if you're pissed off, you're gonna look for things to confirm why you're pissed off. So yeah. And like, so like, When I, when I say like making sure
0: that you're expressing appreciation, even if you're in a difficult, let's say day, or you just had an argument, like that's that compartmentalizing thing, right? Our relationship, let's view it as a pie, right? That negative topic, right? Let's say we're arguing about the golfing thing. That's a piece of your relationship. It doesn't define it. Let's not live in it 24 seven. Can we talk about it? Yes. Should we talk about it? Yes, but we shouldn't live in it. So when we're talking about expressing appreciation, I always tell people like when you're expressing appreciation, you don't want to just say like, oh, hey, thanks for doing the dishes. You want to let them know why you appreciate it. Right. It's so like, thanks for doing the dishes. Like my anxiety is so easy. I'm going to be able to be a little bit more relaxed tonight. Right. It's like taking it that one step above.
1: Yeah. And giving them the reason why. Yeah. This morning I woke up. So I've been trying to not set my alarm because I'm going to L.A., Like with the time change, I'll be waking up at like four in the morning. (laughs) So I've been not setting my alarm this week. So this morning I woke up, had a shower. By the time I got downstairs, it was 7.30. And usually I'd be downstairs at like six. come downstairs at 7.30 and like my husband had already like he's preparing Milo's breakfast. He's like made his lunch. And usually I do that because I have more time in the morning than he does. And I was like, oh my God, like, look at you. Like, thanks so much. But I should have told him why. It's always like little things that make the biggest difference, you know? Like people, it's it's not difficult to give the reason why you're thankful that they're doing something or like acknowledging something that they've done, but it takes practice.
0: Another Gottman thing that I use a lot, it's called the small things often packet. And that's exactly what it is. It's like those small things that, Actually, really impact your relationship so much, right? So, like, appreciation and admiration is on there. And then a bunch of other little things, like making sure that you have connection throughout the week. Uh, Gottmans actually have a podcast called Small Things Often.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. I should try and get one of them on the. Because yeah, they're, yeah. they're a
0: couple, right? Yeah. John and Julie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're out in Seattle. So.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. That would be interesting. I love all their stuff about relationships. I think I have some solo episodes where I went over, I think it was how to fight. I forget. I was like looking at their blog posts on their website and I was like, oh, this would be a really good, you know, like a, an episode, like a topic. So yeah, they also have, if people are interested, oh my God, I'm not going to remember what it's called. Maybe, you know, they have an app where
0: Yeah, it's called the uh, card decks.
1: Yeah, card decks. And it's basically, there's different categories and you can click on it and it's like questions to ask your partner. So I remember talking about it on a past solo episode for like date night ideas, you know, because so many people, especially when you have little kids, you're like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Like, we don't have anything to talk about anymore. And... So I think that's why I downloaded it. I saw someone talking about that app on TikTok. So I downloaded it and it's super neat. Like you click on a category and it gives you questions and it's just things that you and your partner can discuss. So maybe I'll put the link to that in the episode notes so people can find it easily.
0: I can talk to you later about it, but I have like a little worksheet that tells you how to download it and everything. Um, The one that you're talking about, it's called Love Maps. So Love Maps is really like, trying to learn about your partner's inner world they talk about. And that's the one that has really good like conversation topics for date night.
1: I love that. See, we need to start doing that. Like instead of just like sitting on the couch, like, you know, we should like plan date nights where it's like you bust open this app. You like, maybe, you know what, tonight, my husband's not on call today. I'm going to do this tonight and we're going to, my husband already said, he's like, oh, we should have a glass of wine tomorrow because he's not on call. And then I leave tomorrow for LA. So, oh my God, we're going to do that.
0: Yeah. Speaking of date night, I always tell people like date night, this is another Gottman thing, but date night needs to be like distraction-free, screen-free. But one of the biggest pieces is that you guys are not talking about any stressors, right? No, we don't date each other every single hour of the day. There's plenty of time to talk about your stressors. So you're not talking about individual or relational stressors. You really want to be talking about like goals and hopes and dreams and learning about each other and then anything
1: casual that comes up. Okay. So one of my friends, she was saying how, and this is so neat, every year they'll do this thing where each person in the family, she has kids that are a little bit older, but you could even do this with your partner each person plans out a trip, like a vacation. And so they, in my mind, I I would like to make like a little PowerPoint with like information about the place. Like, let's say I want to go to Cabo. Like I make this little, you know, presentation or have notes written down about like what we're going to do there, like where we can stay, the cuisine, like all that stuff. And then you present it to the other person and... Usually, like, if it's a family thing and the kids are doing it too, they, there's, like, a vote. And then it's, like, where you can plan your next family vacation. You could even do it with, like, restaurants in the city, like, where you want to go out to eat for your next date night or anything. Like, like, It's kind of like a little game before. Yeah. And it's just, like, gets the family together and talking. And I like those tips. Anyways, so, yeah, I have to head to an appointment. But thank you so much for... Coming on the podcast, this was like the perfect topic. Like I said, relationship topics are always so popular. So I know people are going to want to listen to this one. Where can people find you online? Do you have a social media account for your? Yeah. yeah? yeah so,
0: my social media account is Jane's Therapy Services, LMFT, and that's Instagram. And then Facebook, it's the same thing, Jane's Therapy Services. My website as well is kellyjaneslmft.wixsite.com slash genes Therapy Services. So I know that one's a little bit longer. So
1: Okay, I will put those in the episode notes so people can find it quicker. And you only see people in your state, right?
0: Yeah, so I'm actually licensed in the state of Wisconsin and Illinois. So I can work with anybody all throughout Wisconsin and Illinois.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yes, thank you for having me on.